Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another exciting, wonderful, and mobile episode of FNO InsureTech. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Beller, coming to you from the beautiful state of California. And he's Lee Boyd, coming to you from Texas. Where he's thinking thinking about taking a new office. Yeah. But I have a question for you. What's that? You ever ridden a scooter? I love scooters. Do you? I love scooters. I love mopeds. I actually got a moped for my wedding, 15, 16 years. I don't know how long we've been married. A while now. The day we got married, my wife bought me a moped. Uh, so I love mopeds. I love scooters. I love all those things. Well, do you have any scooter stories? I went to a large conference one time and we went out to dinner, a very formal <laughs> dinner with uh, with some friends who might be on this podcast. Uh, and no. oh, to get our way back to the hotel, we ended this two-hour formal dinner with some clients and we all rented scooters. And we were in our suits and we were scootering back to the hotel. And it was a wonderful time, a great memory. And I think about it every time I go to Indianapolis. Is that where it was? In my head it was, but yeah, I believe so. Shout out to Tony Triola <laughs> and Paul Riolis. That's right. On scooter duty. We're on bird scooters. We're on bird scooters with Lee Boyd and Rob Beller through the streets of Indianapolis at night. I didn't know how to get the bird scooter to work, and Rob had to teach me. He had he already had the app downloaded uh, because because you had recently gone scootering Los Angeles with your son. I first encountered scooters in the Venice area of Los Angeles, which is near the beach, and couldn't Venice Beach couldn't believe how there were just these scooters just sitting, sitting around, sitting there, just on a sidewalk in the middle of where they didn't belong, and that you could just walk up to it and scan your app and take off. And go. I was there with my both of my sons and we scootered all over the place. And it was my introduction. And not only are they fun mm-hmm. and handy, they're also incredibly dangerous. Oh, yeah. Very dangerous. It's kind of like driving on the freeway at 90 miles an hour. If you stopped and thought about how crazy it is, you wouldn't do it. And scooters are a little bit like that, right? Yeah, I wonder if there's a way to get insurance for something like that. Well, funny you should say that. Because is you it? know what kind of you know what kind of podcast this is? Uh InsureTech podcast? It is an InsureTech podcast. How many times do I have to tell you? Well, 124, I think. <laughs> Sorry, audience. My co-host there is still learning this is an insurance podcast, but yes. We have on Ori Blumenthal, co-founder and CTO from Voom Insurance, who is a prominent provider of uh, specialty mobility insurance for primarily today, drones and scooters. It's going to be a great conversation where we get to talk about 
uh, where this company came from, the ideas behind it, and then what they're doing to really revolutionize the insurance space for these types of devices, drones in, in particularly, we're going to get to talk about they're leading the insure tech space, they're leading the insurance space on drones, doing a wonderful job. It really is great to talk to Ori. And once again, this is another one of our podcasts that goes international. We're big on international. I mean, I think that we're big all over the world. Wouldn't you say that, Lee? Uh, yeah, huge. I think that last week we got some downloads from Kazakhstan. There you so go. I think that pretty much says it all. Yeah. Sorry. But this is a podcast about something and something that's really, really interesting and real. And that is our conversation with Ori Blumenthal, co-founder and CTO of Voom. Voom. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with another remarkable podcast and guest coming yeah. to us once again. As Lee said, we're an Israel podcast these days, aren't we? We have found a lot of talent there in Israel, and I think yes. it's great that we keep going back there and talking to all of these amazing people. It is a deep well, and today we have pulled out of the well Ori Blumenthal, who's the co-founder and CTO of Voom Insurance. And we're here today to talk all about what the heck that is, as well as Ori, and welcome to F-N-O-I-L InsureTech podcast, Ori, as you have renamed it. Hi, Rob. Hi, Lee. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a great pleasure. As you said, straight from the, uh, what we like to call startup nation. (laughs) There you go. Uh, And we definitely see, we definitely see more and more startups specifically in InsureTech. So that's great. We're having a, a fantastic community here. It's amazing. It is amazing. Tell us, before we dig into Voom, why do you think Israel is such a hotbed? What's the Ori Blumenthal take on why Israel is such a hotbed for technology startups? Of course. I, I can give you my personal uh, story in a brief, and I think sure. it's, it's something that a lot of the industry has in common. So me, and by the way, my co-founder, Tomer, we, we've met each other around 15 years ago. When we recruited to the army, uh, it's a mandatory recruitment, but that was me and my co-founder, we both went to an elite uh, Air Force Academy program where we uh, did our time, but also learned computer science and physics from the Hebrew University. Uh, and basically that was the kickstarting of our careers. And this is very common to a lot of co-founders meeting during the army, a different um, intelligence or air force or whatever units. Uh, And after graduating from this uh, elite academy, I went to 8200 unit, which is also something that you often hear. Uh, I would say it's the equivalent of the Israeli NSA, probably. Mm -hmm. And at this unit, you meet so many talented people. It's incredible. I think that I had the privilege to meet so many gifted and, and, and very, very smart people, you know, from all over the country, but also from different areas of expertise. So whether that's software and hardware, intelligence and whatnot. And I think this is what makes the ecosystem very unique in Israel. And I, I'm so proud to say 
that a lot of the people that worked with me or that I've managed during my time in 8200 are also working at Voom today. So that's incredible. Mm. And it's a great, great yeah. privilege and a great honor. Uh, mm-hmm. And on top of everything, it's really fun. Yeah. Sure, sure, because they're now they're old friends, right? Definitely. So I think that the mix of the talent and the fact that a lot of people are, you know, kind of starting their career from an early age and gaining fantastic experience in those intelligence corps and air force and etc. So I think that's what what kind of drives a lot of the, you know, startup nation nature. I think that you, you could definitely used to say that cybersecurity was the hottest topic oh, for yeah. many years. But I think that now fintech and, and insurtech are on the rise here, well, in, in all over the world, but specifically also we feel like um, there's a lot of innovation to be done. So here we are. So whenever you're growing up in Israel, is entrepreneurship talked a lot about in the home? Like I was talking to my son the other day, he's 13. And I was saying, you know, what do you want to do? And I kind of encouraged him. So, you know, think about owning owning your own. Think about starting your own. And I have a lot of friends who, you know, talk that way. Is that is that how it's talked about there in the family in Israel? I would take it even a step further. I think that it's a part of okay. our culture. I think that people, you know, even in, in high tech, but not only in high tech, people uh, like to be entrepreneurial here in Israel. So I think it's a part of the part of the culture. Uh, everybody wants to start something of their own. Everybody, whether yeah. that's a, an insurance agent or, you know, um, chip factory. So I think it's a part of the culture. Why is that? Is that is it because each person wants to be able to say, you know, look what I did? Or is it that they want to be able to take care of themselves whenever times get hard? I mean, is that what, what your parents did or generations before you did? That's a good question. I think it's it has something to do with the Israeli chutzpah. If you've heard that phrase before, I, Rob has introduced me to that. Yes, you need to you need to define chutzpah for our non-Yiddish speaking audience. Of course, yes. I'll try. I'll try. I'll do my best. I think basically that the chutzpah is being like it's audaciousness. Okay, that's mm. maybe the best word I can Great think word. about. Yes, <laughs> I think that's the best word I can and I can try to translate. But it's translation is is never perfect, and I think that I would definitely say it's something that. You know, we're sometimes we can be not politically correct or not exactly polite, uh, but we do it with a smile, and we do it <laughs> do it in a way that you know at the end of the day everybody's happy because we did something that was, mm, but then the end result was good. So I think that's maybe a little bit of a, of a description here, but definitely uh, I think that it comes from the fact that we think and we believe that we can do stuff and we can change and hence we want to do and mm-hmm. change things. I mm-hmm. love that. I think that, and we'll move on and get to Voom in a second, but I think that growing up in a place like Israel or being in a place like Israel, you understand that with chutzpah and with effort, things are possible. That's exactly that. Um, speaking of possible, let's talk about how it was possible to create Voom, Okay. But before we talk about how that happened, let's talk about what it is. And so tell us, what is Voom anyways? And how do you get from running around being a soldier to being the CTO of a company like Voom? So tell us about the company. 
So Voom is an innovative insure tech company creating the next gen insurance products for new mobility segments. That could be everything from drones, light aircraft, scooters, motorcycles, and other new mobility motor vehicles that you can think about. More specifically, our focus is on risks that are usually high risk and episodic use used, including all the, all the above that I've mentioned. We take in a lot of data from different data sources to help us to better improve everything from the customer journey, but also the underlying insurance product and obviously pricing claims, etc. So you're out there, you're selling these more high risk things. I mean, is that a market that wasn't there or is this something that you're doing different than the competitors in the space? So I think the answer is both. When we look at new mobility, that could be models of mobility that didn't exist, such as drones and e-scooters and the likes, but it also things that used to exist but changed. So you can think about rideshare, you can think about the way the industry is evolving throughout the mobility space, but also you can take motorcycles, which is a um, an existing industry that did not innovate much, and also the insurance industry for, for those segments did not innovate much, but there are ways, uh, new ways for customers to gain and benefit with the introduction of, of data and better insurance products. So Ori, you're an insurance company. Are you selling direct to consumer? We are technically an insurance producer. We operate as an MGA licensed in all 50 states. So we're not the carrier exactly, but we mm-hmm. are selling direct to consumer. Mm-hmm. One thing that I'd like to mention is that in addition to be selling direct to consumer, which is something we do very good, we also partner and collaborate with brokers and agents and actually provide them access to our broker portal. But it's on our platform. Mm-hmm. By the way, it's worth mentioning that we basically developed an end-to-end platform from scratch just because we needed the flexibility, but also the robustness in order to create products that could be fast and agile and for us to introduce new products in a very, very high pace. So we also work with brokers on our broker portal, but as as you asked, we obviously sell direct to consumers as well. Is the broker channel important? Is that is that a large part of where your business is coming from? So, so as I see it, we want as many customers to benefit from Voom's products. And a lot of the people, you know, they like the online experience. They like to do everything by themselves. But sometimes mm-hmm. they want to pick up the phone. So we mm-hmm. enable that. Sometimes they want to email someone and get a response. And we mm-hmm. do a very good job in that. And sometimes people... They have their broker or the neighborhood broker, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, Brokers, despite what people might say, I don't see them leaving anytime soon. And I think they they play an important role, both on the personal side and even more so on the commercial lines. But definitely brokers have still, and and as I said, will have a significant portion. And I think that 
if we can work together and collaborate instead of trying to eat each other's lunch, and I think there is room for collaboration, then we can definitely leverage the broker's expertise and know-how and also their, their reach, right? The brokers still have a significant market share and uh, we want to be working with them. Boom, you said that you look for anything that moves, I guess. It, does that also mean automobiles or is it mostly motorcycles and, and drones and boats and things like that? I can roughly say that personal auto is a place that has been already innovated in some way. And I yeah. feel that's pretty much sure. of a red, red ocean. So we feel like there is less room to play. Uh, yeah. I would say that's roughly our take on, on that market. And I feel like there are a lot of players already working in this space and doing a, a, a good job. So we'll let them continue. We'll help all, all other industries. So just from a practical standpoint, I'm a crazy guy living in California and I ride scooters a lot. Do I go to your portal and buy insurance for a month of scooter riding, for a day of scooter riding, for a year? How does it work? How does your product work? Of course. So first of all, I'll say that as things are progressing, our solutions for different vehicles and different industries will be rolled out over the course of 2021 and obviously 2022 later on. It really depends on the specific product and uh, what type of an insurance you're looking at. But you can definitely go to the website. From there, you'll be introduced with the various products and you can purchase it there. In the future, as we roll out more and more, we plan on integrating our insurance products into your, let's say, everyday life. So if you ride a lot of scooters, potentially you'll be able to pick one up and get insurance instantaneously. So that's one option. But as I said, we like our policies and products flexible. So whether that's by the hour, by the month, and for some of the heavier users, the the good old annual policies, Uh but you can definitely change and modify along the way in a super easy way. I think that if you talk to insurance professionals, a lot of the time they will say, selling insurance, that's the easy part. But servicing insurance, you know, midterm adjustments and those type of things are a nightmare. And we try to mm-hmm. make it not a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering from a claim standpoint, as you know, we're, we, we come from the claims background. You have a drone pilot out there and he's flying around and he flies his drone through somebody's window. I don't, I don't know what most common, you know, uh, incident is with a drone. How do you adjust that? How do you take care of the, the claim when a drone gets, you know, causes a, a problem of some kind? That's a great question. I'll, I'll start by just saying that I think I can pretty surely say that the number one cause of crashes in drones are trees. So people, oh, look around. Yeah. Just right. look around. Done that. There's a tree. <laughs> Stay away from it, please. <laughs> There's nothing to see between the trees. I, I promise. Just go above the trees. It will be a better view. Please, I know. It's guys. a drone, right? It can it's, fly over the tree. It can fly That's over right. the trees, guys. Please. Mm. I, I beg you. Uh, but, but the joke aside, as we can leverage data, this also impacts the claim process, meaning that once someone flew the drone, we know how to analyze the, the drone flight and take into account more than 30 sensors, understand exactly what happened and how it happened, when it happened, quickly and automatically validate that the policy was 
in fact in place, it was valid, and this way we can create a package to pass to the adjuster. We typically don't do the adjusting in-house. We can create a package, and with this package, basically it makes the, the job of the adjuster very, very easy. So that's basically another layer of value that I think data and technology can provide to insurance as a whole. So is that a goal, uh, absorbing all of this data to you know, not only quickly and accurately underwrite a claim, but to actually be able to quickly, accurately pay a claim? You know, I read somewhere where someone kind of referred to your company as the lemonade of motor thing. I, I don't have the exact quote, but I mean, is that kind of where you're going is to change not only the, the customer experience, but the actual fundamentals of, of uh, insurance and claims to be able to, to pay them quickly if they're owed? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I think that for a while, insurtechs of the world were focusing and doing a great job, by the way, but they were focusing on improving the customer journey. So the way you interact with a customer, the way you present and, and reach reach out to the customer, the way you present the product and, and how easy it making it easier to buy insurance products. I think that what basically we see as like insurtech 2.0 is not, not only impacting the user interaction and, the, and the, the purchasing process, but also changing and improving the underlying insurance products and pricing using data, using context, and, and basically allowing for more people to benefit from technology and getting the right product to them. So again, not only uh, the distribution part of things, but also the insurance product itself and the underlying pricing and, and, and actuarial um, analysis. When it comes to claims, definitely. I think that claims is still a, a, a painful point in the eye of the insureds. Every time someone has to file a claim, he's getting itches, right? He's moving around in his chair uncomfortably, dreading what's going to happen with the claim. And this is uh, something that we and others obviously are trying to solve to make the, the process easier because it's it's nice it's 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 easy to you know to have an, uh, a nice looking picture and an easy process but at the end of the day we're selling insurance so we want to sell the right insurance product and we want to sell and and provide the best service all the way from purchasing to claim correct are you selling primarily to individuals or are you selling to businesses as well that like say have a drone fleet or a scooter fleet? Are you a platform for those kind of companies or are you just selling to the individual user? So a platform can do a lot of things and can accommodate to several use cases, as you've mentioned. I would say that typically most of our customers are definitely either individuals or small businesses. If you talk about drones, so a lot of the times it's professional drone operators, commercial, but they're you know between one to five people, I would say. Uh, with a few drones. So that's like the typical customer that we have. I really want to know where, where did this idea come from? What made you one day decide that you just wanted to start this company? Where did the, the birth of this idea come from? So when, when my partner and I, we spent a lot of time in the intelligence corps and we decided that we want to build something together. That was pretty obvious for us. We thought about cybersecurity, of course, as I've mentioned, that's like Everybody does. Yeah. <laughs> so we thought about yeah. that, but then we were like, nah, another one. I don't know. 
and we got really hooked on drones. Uh, we looked at the market. I can tell you that we did hack some drones and made them crash. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun experience. You found some trees. No, we made the drone remotely crash. That was pretty cool. Uh, we ha we hacked it. So okay. that was pretty cool. cool. And then we said, okay, so what's going to happen next? And, and basically people told us, look, it's nice, but how can you help me with insurance? And we were like, what? Insurance? For drones? Is it even a thing? And it, and, and it wasn't. And that kind of made us realize that the world is moving very fast. Technologies are being introduced but what's with the insurance? And there are people right. in need of insurance, whether that's because of the regulators that demand it or whether that's customers and companies that require it. If it's, for example, a construction site won't let any drone operator go on-prem without a certificate of insurance, and they will sure. probably have more than one requirement. And you know, as a drone operator, a lot of the times it's, it's either someone who used to be a, a pilot or someone who was a photographer, and now all of a sudden people are asking him all those drone insurance stuff, and people don't know anything about it. And this is basically the vision, gapping the bridge between the fast-moving mobility world and the ever-so-slowly-moving insurance world. Very challenging. Yeah. Very challenging. Is the drone world growing? We And I'll tell you why I asked that. In the insurance space, when drones first started to appear mm, five, eight years ago, there was a tremendous amount of excitement to do with drones in the insurance space. And a lot of that excitement has settled down because it turned out that some of the use cases or ideas for use cases didn't pan out. But I'm sure in other areas, drones um, have caught on. Is drone usage accelerating as rapidly as was first hoped several years ago in general? Yeah, so I'll definitely say that the hype, you know, the amount of news articles and, and television, you know, uh, articles about drones. So the hype has settled down, but I think that the use cases are, you know, constantly growing. Drones are getting better they're, they are now able to, to perform more complex tasks and you see more and more industries starting to realize their, that drones are here to stay. So I've mentioned construction site. You know, it's not long, I think, before there won't be a single construction site that doesn't have pretty much constant oversight of drones. We see it in ag, we see it in oil and gas, other utilities that require inspection, power lines, cell towers. So I know that if you just look at the sheer number of platforms that you know match between drone operators and use cases, you see them keep growing and the demand is ever so growing. So I think that we'll definitely still growing in the industry and we'll see it becoming more and more ubiquitous. And what about scooters? Now, scooters are... <laughs> I love scooters. <laughs> Who doesn't? I mean, can I can we just stop for one second and talk about scooters? I love scooters. I am, I am like an old guy, and I love scooters. Yeah. They are a blast. There's only one thing I, I have to ask you, Rob, and all of the audience. Sir. Put on a helmet. That's an absolute <laughs> must. That's an absolute must. Now you sound like an insurer. No, no, no. Now maybe You've I sound the like gap. 
maybe I sound like my mom. <laughs> From the insurance perspective, you know, yes, it matters if you wear a helmet or not. But I truly believe, and I say, I see the numbers. I see the numbers, yes. regardless of insurance. I see the numbers of accidents. God forbid, people don't understand exactly how to ride. And even if you do, there is the unfortunate possibility of a bump in the road. And those scooters are not as robust as you would as you would imagine. And the helmet can really save lives. So. Again, I'm sorry to, to be sounding like my mom. <laughs> Your mother but, will be so proud of you. Yeah, she will. She will. That, that, that's <laughs> like, she was waiting her whole life just to hear me say that. But, um, <laughs> but again, joke aside, I encourage you, Rob, and encourage all, all of the audience and listeners, put on a helmet. It's so important. We are starting to see people here in the streets that, you know, just walk around with their backpacks and they have like a mm -hmm. helmet attached to it. Because yeah. you can never know when you'll pick up a scooter and you'll right. decide you yeah, want it. So just put it there. It's not that heavy. I have one in the office, so I know that every time that I need to go to a meeting or something, I typically opt for a scooter. I love them. I just love them. But still, I won't, won't go out without a helmet on. You know, of course, as, as we know from you know being around places, like I was just in Denver for a few days, tons and tons of scooters strewn all about the city. I don't think one time did I see somebody wearing a helmet. The liabilities and the potential for damage and loss on the scooter side is, I would have to think, is significantly greater than it is on the drone side. And so, and the potential for catastrophic loss, including loss of life. I mean, if you're riding a lot of scooter insurance, you have to have, unfortunately, catastrophic injuries happening including death. Talk about underwriting scooters, because when you go to any city now, there's scooters and there's more and more and more scooters. And so how do you keep up with that? How do you control that? It's a challenge. And I think that a lot of insurance companies are just avoiding that completely. So they're closing their eyes. They're saying, okay, so there's a thing called scooters, but we will just look aside. We'll ignore it. We won't touch it. We're too scared. We don't know how to underwrite it, and we see a lot of those companies. And yes, underwriting it, it is, is a challenge, but again, when you have data and we, when you can use the data, then it makes your life easier. It's so complex, but we are working really, really hard to provide the best and most accurate underwriting for each of the mobility segments we're, we're, we're looking at and we're uh, talking about. I would just say that in terms of coverages, it's really important to understand the differences between the third-party liability that is often a very big risk also when you talk about drones, right? Let's, God forbid, you fly a drone, you cut someone's finger, you hit someone in the head, crash into a car. So those third-party damages are have the potential, you know, we sell up to $10 million in liability, right? So that's that's a big exposure right there. Sure. When you talk about the first party injuries, meaning if you fall down from a scooter, then typically you're talking about uh, uh, a personal accident type of coverage. And personal accident type of coverage usually have lower limits in terms of disability uh, or God forbid, death, you know, AD&D, accidental death and dismemberment. 
So you, you usually look at, at lower limits. So I wouldn't necessarily go all the way to catastrophic. The incident itself could be traumatic, but also you need to look at the possible third-party damages that can be caused by a scooter. If, God forbid, you're riding it and you hit a pedestrian, then, the, again, the third-party exposure here is significant. Because of those almost different lines of insurance, you said you're an MGA licensed in all 50 states. Are you using different paper from different carriers to write the, the different lines? Correct. Or the different exposures? Correct. We have relationships and partnerships with uh, multiple carriers, and we use different paper and different companies for different types of risk. Are you finding that they're interested in scooters, <laughs> that they understand them? Or is that part of what you have to do is to, to educate the carriers about what's going on with scooters and why they're a, a good risk to write? The latter, definitely. I think that we see, the, as I said, a lot of companies... They're very excited about scooters. They know it's a big thing. They want to, they want to ride the premium. They don't want to take the risk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's with everything. So, well, so, you yeah. know what's amazing in in the insurance world is that if you're not from the insurance world, you would expect insurers to be risk takers. Where at the end of the day, I think they're you know the insurance industry is hyper conservative. We call it risk averse. Yeah. So I'm very interested in why the United States, why did you decide to start there versus Europe where a lot of these smaller, you know, mobile devices are actually used even more in mainstream than in America? I mean, is that something you could talk about? Yeah, I think that this uh, actually, it's a good question, but it's, it's not uncommon for Israeli startups to target the U.S. market. Uh, we have very good relationships with the U.S. A lot of Israeli entrepreneurs and a lot of Israelis are in the Silicon Valley, in New York, etc. So I think it's, for us, you know, Israel is a, basically a tiny country and market size-wise, you typically opt to, to go elsewhere. And Europe yeah. is, a, is a valid option, but I think that the size of the market in the U.S., the relative, you know, I would say that a lot of the culture is similar, although, as I've mentioned, it's pretty different, but there are similarities. So I think it's easy for us and convenient for us to, to target the U.S. market. Um, right. And if you, even if you go to Europe, then uh, even, even if you think about the language, right? So you want to be catering to Europe you look at it as one piece, but the fact is Germany, France, UK, each has its different culture, different regulation, and different mm -hmm. languages. So mm -hmm. attacking one market is, I would say, a smarter decision. So Voom has become one of the leading commercial drone solutions in, in the U.S., is that correct? Yeah, actually, I'm very proud to say that Skywatch AI, this is our brand for all the aviation related products is i would say the top digital insurance for commercial drones and uh, soon enough also uh in several light aviation areas that has been quite a ride and we've seen several startups and incumbents try to enter the drone market and at the end of the day i think that 
as I said, innovating not only on the distribution side of things, but also innovating with the product itself. Mm-hmm. Whether that's again the flexibility of the product and the, the actual pricing. So I think that's what led to, to, to our success. But also, if I need to mention all, one other thing, is definitely our great, great focus on our customers. This is something we value very, very much. We do our best to provide the best service. And whether that's for people before the purchase, during the purchase, after the purchase, as I said, a lot of the times you need to provide certificate of insurance and people are, you know, don't always know what they're looking for. And we do our best to provide the best service possible. And we understand that this is a flexible product and it's a flexible market. People, you know, you get, you get a gig, but then it's changed and we need to be able to help the customer do it in a very, very easy manner you know, switching the days, switching the dates, whatever that, right. whatever the need is. So, and we, we focus on that a lot and we see the results. So you're right at the beginning of this tidal wave of, you know, product innovation, both with drones and scooters and the other products that, that, and lines that you'll be pursuing which must be super exciting. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, you guys look back and say, you know, in March you say, oh, those things were so, those are so old. Those happened two months ago. You know, the, things are changing so fast in just in the scooter business. Companies are coming and going and entering and exiting. What do you see in the long run here as best as you can? I'm sure you guys spend a lot of time thinking about you know, how do we continue to make our product fit in such a dynamic marketplace? What are your thoughts on that? I'd, I'd like to hear that before we wrap up. Yeah, great question. And indeed, the long-term vision is something that we put a lot of a, a lot of thought on, obviously. And I think that it's pretty amazing to see that even even as the industry changes, regulation change, um, habits change. Um, you know, all of a sudden you have uh, COVID and people completely change the way they, they commute, if at all, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden at people all. are driving right. less. People used to take the bus. Now people are reluctant. So they take more scooters. They take more, they, they do more ride share. They do more car share. Everything changes. So it's, it's, it's hard to predict the future. But I think that what our vision is, is creating a super robust technology and platform with flexible products that will enable us to cater to all those use cases, whatever the future holds. So we see that in the products that we roll out, we are immediately, <laughs> immediately being asked to provide additional features and changes. And it's a never ending chase, but that's what we like. We like to to, to hear what the industry and what our customers, what they want, what they need, and to provide it. So that that's the key. We're super excited about what you guys do in your product. We're super excited about you guys having us over to Israel because every time we have an yes, Israeli we on, that. we ask them to invite us. So because we're slowly working up to being able to spend six months there living in people's on people's couches. You are definitely invited and i'm sure that and one thing that israelis do very very well is hosting 
it's in again hospitality is in our culture and every time someone comes in you know friday dinner that's a must right that's a big thing here but uh yeah we like to host well listen thank you so much for being with us and we appreciate your people making this happen and thank you and uh we'll look forward to talking to you in the future and seeing you in Israel. Yes. Can't wait to see you. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the call. Thank you so much. Bye now. You know, sometimes we have on big, enormous platforms and people, you know, Mike Fulton from Exactware. Yeah. And sometimes you have on somebody like Ori and you think it's going to be this little, you know, niche thing. Just one aspect of what they do. When you, when you think about scooters, oh my gosh. There's yeah. bazillions. There's bazillions of scooters, right? And it's not just scooters. I mean, they're in this drone market, which is huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, there it is huge. I know the hype has died down as we talked about, mm-hmm. but the usage of drones is huge. Not a day goes by that I don't see a drone somewhere, either over a soccer field or inspecting a building or a bridge or whatever. Drones are everywhere, and so it's a huge, huge market for them. And it seems like they're doing a wonderful job at it. Wonderful job at getting uh, insurance to the right people who need it at the right time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just can't imagine. It's so, to me, the the underwriting is so complex and we didn't even really get into the nitty gritty, but the, um, if you're going to buy drone ins- or like scooter insurance for a day, how do you underwrite that? It's all uh, about the uh, data. Got to have the data. What's your okay. averages? That's right. That's right. And that's why they call it InsureTech, buddy. That's right. Smart hear people me? do it. Smart people. And so speaking of smart people, that's all you who listen to our podcast, because certainly the people who do this podcast aren't the smartest ones. That's why we have on the guests. They do the smart part. We just provide the commentary. Yeah. And the platform. And the platform. We're kind of yeah. like a uh, InsureTech within itself, right? Uh, let's not get carried away here. Oh, okay. But let's do thank our producers. Go ahead, thank our producers. Thank you. Okay. We thank them for everything they do for making this possible, Alicia and Al. And we thank you for being with us, the smart ones. Thank you. And until next time. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>